What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels or hopefully the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Oh, it out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What a 
Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right. I'm in a good mood today, actually. Not that I'm normally not in a good mood when I do these episodes and hang out with you here on the show. It's one of my favorite things to do in the entire world. But I'm having an especially good morning today. And yeah, morning. So uh, I got a new job and, you know, it's definitely a job. Like, I feel like it's going to be permanent. I'm trying to stay positive. I'm in this weird holding pattern, like 90 days probationary where I work and I kind of have to earn it after I earn it. Anyway, whatever. But I'm pretty confident that I will maintain this job. I just can't say anything about it within the 90 days. Uh, not because they asked me to or anything, just because I'm trying to, you know, I believe in the jinx in a sense. So, you know, I just don't want to jinx it in, in my own personal way. But I got the day off today, which is going to be a rare thing, especially for the next three months. So I'm going to try to knock episodes out, like multiple episodes on my days off. So it's like I'm never gone. It's like I'm never working my ass off like the entire time. But long story long, I'm in a great mood today because last minute I got the call that I didn't have to go into work today, which means I won't be earning any money today. However, I've been working a lot. So, you know, I'm back to actually being a decent adult and good provider for my family. And as luck would have it, we are starting my long promised best of 1991 super spectacular we are kicking off things with a three-part episode focusing strictly on the odds and ends of the year 1991. If you're a new friend of the show, and thank you for tuning in if you are in long-timers, of course, I love you to death. The odds and ends, uh, we're the only show that does this as far as I know, at least on a consistent basis. These are songs that are from either soundtracks, EPs, tribute albums, cover albums, there is a difference, single-only releases, things such as that. Basically, Songs that will not be around on any list towards the end of the year normally, but I like to compile them here as I do these little yearly time capsules. And like I said, we're focusing on 1991. We kick things off uh, with the opening track from my favorite soundtrack of 1991. It's not a perfect soundtrack. It's like two-thirds really perfect for me. But yes, the soundtrack to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. There's a lot to love about this record. In retrospect, some of the bands on here, maybe not, you know, not, not so good. Some of them just didn't make it. There was a push to kind of make these bands famous, kind of like, you know, on the first soundtrack. But there's some gems on the first one. There's some killer songs on the second soundtrack here, Bogus Journey. And I'm not just going to be playing that Slaughter Open right there, even though I do love that song. I will be featuring three more songs from that soundtrack within these three-parters, because there's no way I could just whittle it down to one song to represent the soundtrack. So I'm going to spread them out a little bit here. Uh, you know, I am biased towards this soundtrack, but you're going to hear other wacky songs from other wacky soundtracks throughout the year 1991 and random covers and stuff basically you've forgotten about. If you were around live and, and very aware of things in 1991, then these hopefully will bring back some memories. The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Okay. Like I said, we kicked off with Slaughter and Shouted Out from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I really liked that song and I was still decently into Slaughter at that point. So, you know, I thought they were a perfect addition to the soundtrack. Although, you know, I'm going to kind of skew these odd and ends to kind of go with where we started and then what 1991 became because there's definitely 
two halves of this year, not because of the calendar, but because really culturally there was a massive shift uh, towards the end of the summer into the fall of 1991. So this one's basically more going to be a focus on what was happening in the first half of the year of 1991. But I kind of put a theme together as well. And I, I don't sleep on these. I wind up doing this particular theme, which is enough to get on Rock Strikes 10, but I'm going to make it a little extra theme worthy for this particular episode. So I kind of moved some songs around to fit a theme within the theme, as I like to do, because I'm a psychopath. Okay, next song here, another song from a film, yet another kickoff song from a particular soundtrack. Also very teen-oriented, you know, not a movie that anybody talks about so much, but I, I feel like we all saw this back in 1991. If you were a preteen or a teenager or a young adult, you definitely saw this film here. A forgotten movie featuring the great Christina Applegate. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Big props to Scott Coogan as well. He was really good in it and very believable. And honestly, the soundtrack, nothing to really write home about. There's a couple of noteworthy acts in there. Like you might remember the band Alias that had a power ballad. They're kind of a one-hit wonder. They're on here. Lorraine Lewis, who I never heard anything by. She was in Femme Fatale. She had her own solo career as well. And I always used to see her like in Metal Edge and Circus and, you know, all the all the metal magazines of the time. I never heard a stitch of her music ever, probably until the soundtrack. But also the first time I ever heard this particular song was on the Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead soundtrack. So it's an important entrant here for me. And not the best version of this song. Obviously, you cannot front on the original version of this. This is a cover song, but I'm including it because my personal journey, this is the first time I ever heard this song. So it, it got it into my head and it set the tone for my taste for later. You know, if you grew up in a latter period, you know, past the first classic rock era and through the 60s and 70s, you heard certain songs the first time via cover. Raise your hand. A lot of you are raising your hand. All of you should be raising your hand because it happened to you at some point. But yeah, here you go. This is a band I have no information for you about. I could just tell you that they're called Beat Goes Bang. And this is their version of Tommy James and the Shondells classic, Dragging the Line.
Beat Goes Bang, their cover of Dragon the Line, the Tommy James classic. Uh, you can hear that early 90s production. Cringeworthiness and all, but like I said, that's an important entry for me because first time I heard this song. Okay, I remember seeing that movie in the theater, probably the night it came out, doing this weird thing at the time. That, okay, hang out with me here for a second. So, like, you know, I was mostly raised pretty much my whole life by my mom, single mom. And myself and my sister being raised by her. I, I've talked about this before on the show. But uh, it was weird. At that time, she was in a dating period, which, you know, she had her biorhythms of dating. Uh, but so what, what would happen is that she would have like a date Friday night. and They'd go to the movies because, you know, that's all you could do really or in this part of town. Uh, you know, either dancing or movies or whatever. Uh, nothing terribly adventurous goes on around here. But things have gotten better. But also, so what would happen is they'd pick their movie. And then I'd go to my movie, and then, uh, you know, there was like an arcade in the theater. So my movie was always definitely not as long, you know. Like, my movies, they're curtailed to be like 90 minutes. Movies like Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and, you know, stuff like that. Encino Man, you know. But so that would happen, and then i go to the arcade, and they just, you know. That was the day, you know. 30 years ago, you could totally do that. And just, you know, there were enough people around, you're not going to be kidnapped, but... That's what happened. They'd be watching something like fucking Prince of Tides or something. It'd be like three hours long. But I didn't care because I was playing the Ninja Turtles arcade game. The, that badass four player. Anyway, so there's my journey. Okay, back to the music. This is going to sound like a headline from this year. But hey, the Rolling Stones had been touring. <laughs> uh, all through, of course, 89 and 90. Uh, they got off the road and put out a live album to commemorate the whole thing called Flashpoint in 1991. And I didn't realize this until way later on because I did not own this when it came out. I got it years later when I was working at a CD store and I was putting my Stones collection together. It's pretty much done at this point. It's definitely done on CD, I think. Uh, vault releases aside, because that's a whole other checklist to get into, which I will at some point because their Vault series is amazing. Uh, but, yeah, you know, this was the tour that was filmed uh, for the IMAX. If you saw that IMAX film back in the 90s, then this was the tour, the Steel Wheels tour. And I love that because I feel like I saw the Stones live because I saw them on IMAX. Then I saw them kind of for real later on at Texas Stadium. Sort of. I kind of saw, I, I saw them. I didn't hear them very well. Uh, but yeah, getting back to the Flashpoint release, they actually had two new studio songs included 
on this live album, you know, to entice hardcore fans, and obviously hardcore fans were going to get it anyway. I don't recall ever hearing either of these new songs on the radio, so I don't think it got much of a push at all, but they're pretty decent. I'm going to play you the best of the two, in my opinion. So here you go, a new Stone song in 1991, maybe you haven't heard before. This one's called High Wire. Rest in peace, Charlie.
A respectable outing right there by the Rolling Stones. Highwire from the Flashpoint live album. The one of two lone studio songs on that particular release. Man, I, like, man, I w- I, hopefully at some point, maybe they could just re-release that concert in IMAX and I could go relive it again. Man, there's some killer performances on there. I just had a whole flashback to Flashpoint. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, the first time I saw Sympathy for the Devil on the big screen right there, that was something else, man. You gotta see it. I mean, even just, you know, songs they played a billion times, like a Ruby Tuesday or something, it still sounds great. I don't know how they do it. Hockey talk women, all that stuff. Okay, here's another thing. We're Like I said, we're kind of focusing on the first half of 1991, culturally and musically. And also I'm going to do a little bit of a cheat on this particular episode. I might do this a couple of times as we do this big three-parter for the odds and ends of 1991. I want to shoehorn a few songs in that didn't make it from albums that, you know, I listened to that I think I'm going to do a top 40, something like that. Top 40, top 50, something like that. I want to try to keep it to about half of what I normally do. Cause honestly, I've got another whole year to cover. We've got to do the 2001 show and also the 2021 episode. But honestly, I think if I keep it to 40 or 50 for 1991, the quality will never dip throughout the entire countdown. So I'm going to go with that. So there's an album. I, I thought it was pretty cool. It's about half to three quarters good. And uh, actually, I was going to originally include this on the odds and ends anyway, because I thought this album was just a straight cover album all the way through. Plus, it's a one-off. So let me explain. There was a band that was put together as a quote-unquote supergroup. No offense to the people in the band, but they're not household names. And they were called Contraband. And I liked some of these bands at the time, or at least I was aware of all of them. So let me give you a little rundown of this band. So on lead vocals was Richard Black from Shark Island, Michael Schenker on lead guitar from Michael Schenker Group, of course, Tracy Guns from LA Guns on rhythm and lead, Cher Peterson from Vixen on bass, and Bobby Blotzer from Rat on drums right there. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they were all on the same record label or had the same management, like one of those things that makes it okay. That all being said, the album's okay. I thought it was a cover album because there's so many covers on it, but it's not predominantly a covers album. There's mostly originals on there or songs that have never really been recorded before. And, you know, maybe a couple of the covers, they weren't like, you know, huge, huge songs. So it doesn't make it a covers album. It does make it a, you know, original studio album in a sense. So that all being said, it did not rank high enough in my scoring system to where I think it's going to make the cut. It's definitely not going to make the cut. It's not a bad record. It's definitely of the time that early 90s hard rock metal production right there. But some of the songs are just okay. They're kind of like Song Doctor Central, especially the originals. Now, the covers, that's where it's at on this record. Like, there's some cool covers. They do Mott the Hoople's all the way from Memphis. They do Bowie's Hang On to Yourself. They do a cover of Good Rockin' Tonight, you know, made famous by Elvis. And this one right here, which was a cover of an obscure band. I actually don't have it in front of me. But I'm getting to include this on the odds and ends. This isn't a cheat, actually. Now, it may sound like I'm cheating. I'm, I'm, I call it shoehorning. I'm doing it on a technicality. So this song does appear on the Contraband Studio album. But, and this is key, it actually appeared on a film soundtrack prior to the Contraband album release. So yes, it is here on the odds and ends. This is the true gem that is not a famous cover song off of the Contraband record. And to me, this is like a perfect hard rock party song right here. I mean, it's in the title. So I have to include it. And let's go ahead and say it did appear on the soundtrack to this Richard Grieco vehicle 
called If Looks Could Kill. Yes, I did see it at the Dollar Theater. I have zero memory of it, honestly, except for the fact that he was listening to this song on a Walkman early on in the movie. That's what I took from this movie. That's how memorable this movie is. And probably most of you out there, and rightfully so, don't even remember who Richard Grieco was. Anyway, but that all being said, turn it up because this is Contraband with Wild Guitars, Fast Cars, and Wild Wild Living.
All right, let me get the actual song title right this time. That was Loud Guitars, Fast Cars, and Wild Wild Living. I mean, it's in the song a lot, so I should have got it right the first time. However, I do love that song. That was just a Freudian slip because Wild was in the title. Anyway, that all being said, you can find that on two things, and that's why it's on the odds and ends. The If Looks Could Kill soundtrack and or the Contraband one and done. Now, there's so many acts and, and everything called Contraband, you probably have to search it under one of those bands that is involved directly with that supergroup. So if you like, you know, you want to Google Contraband Rat or Contraband LA Guns, that's how you'll get it. And it's probably pretty easy to obtain if you like. Like I said, if you just want something of the time and just kind of round out your collection of any one of those bands, if you're hardcore about them, then, then definitely get it. But, you know, it's not super duper essential. Although I will recommend that song, of course, and then the covers I mentioned beforehand. Okay, and here's something that you probably all forgot about. And I was kind of reminded of it going through the timeline here of 1991. So right in the very beginning of 1991, of course, we all remember this if we were alive. Gulf War happened. And so because of that and the impending war it hadn't happened yet at this point the very beginning of 91 it didn't happen until like late january early february if memory serves me correct but the push was in for it you know already like around the fall of 1990 and i'm not going to go into the whole details there's plenty of shows that could tell you about that i am not one of those shows i could just say war is never necessary i think it's been necessary maybe like one percent of the time ever in history if that uh but War is not the answer, right? And one of the all-time great songs that has always said this is John Lennon's Give Peace a Chance. Now, what happened with the impending war, a new version of Give Peace a Chance was put out. So basically a cover version here, although it was completely endorsed by Sean and Yoko Ono. And they kind of helped put this together. Lenny Kravitz was in real good with them at the time. And so Lenny actually produced the cover version here. He, obviously, he appears on it too, but if you didn't know that, Lenny was in charge of kind of the whole project there. And so I got to say, you know, even though Give Peace a Chance is kind of one of those songs they would probably say don't mess with it, honestly, I appreciated the fact that this song was out at the time on principle, but also, man, the people they got to be on this, badass. Like, you know, this is this is a party I'd rather go to versus, you know, maybe a We Are The World party. Who knows? That's kind of a push. Maybe I'm overemphasizing it a little bit, but man, so I'm going to go ahead and play the track and you figure out how many people you can pull out of there without looking it up on the internet. I've got my internet notes in front of me here, but I'll tell you after the song. So here you go. I'm actually pulling this one off of YouTube. I'm going to play the music video version of it. Because I really like the outro part. Plus, I feel like you can actually hear the voices better in the video version. I, I compared the two, so I'm going with this right here. So like I said, let me know how many people you get just listening to it. And then I'll tell you who all you heard at the end. So here you go. Officially, this is the Peace Choir with the 1991 version of Give Peace a Chance. Everybody's talking about planet Earth, rebirth, United Nations, good relations, space station, starvation, radiation, salvation, education, liberation, oh, all we are saying is give peace a chance, all we are saying 
about it. Everybody's talking about the civil war. Revolution. I'm getting no solution. Are we facing Vietnam? We don't want to drop the bomb. HIV, AZD, and new kids dance on MTV With toxic waste dumps in the sea Sea, sea Some might call that a fever dream, but I call it a beautiful thing right there. The Peace Choir with Give Peace a Chance. And uh, I don't have it in actual order of song, but I have it in alphabetical order. So that's what you're going to get right here. I know you knew some of those. Some of those voices are just undeniable. But who you heard officially on that track was Armina, Adamant, Sebastian Bach, the brothers, Felix Cavallari, Terrence Trent Darby, Flea, John Frusciante, of course, both of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Peter Gabriel right there at the beginning. Kadeem Hardison. Yes, Kadeem Hardison. I love Kadeem Hardison. Ofra Haza, Joe Higgs, Bruce Hornsby, Lee Jaffe, Al Jarreau, Jazzy B, Davy Johnstone of the Beach Boys, Lenny Kravitz, Cindy Lauper, of course, Sean Ono Lennon, Little Richard, LL Cool J, MC Hammer, Michael McDonald with a diva moment right there. Duff McKagan, Alana Miles, New Voices of Freedom, Randy Newman, Tom Petty, that, that voice is undeniable for sure, Iggy Pop doing New Kids Dance on MTV, Q-Tip, 
Bonnie Raitt, Run of Run DMC, Dave Stewart, Tina Marie, Little Steven going, Education. <laughs> Don Was, Wendy and Lisa, of course, of the Revolution, Ahmed Zappa, Dweezil Zappa, Moon Unit Zappa, Bada Bing, Bada Boom. Okay. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that, at least on a surreal kind of level there. So sticking with the whole Beatles thing, this is my theme within a theme we're going to do here for the sort of the rest of the show here. Now, this does have a Beatles tie-in, although on the surface it doesn't seem to, with uh, with the exception of influence. But I will tell you about the Beatles connection even further after you hear this absolute odd and end here from 1991. Of course, we all remember... The big comedy from the first quarter of 1991, King Ralph. If you don't know it, you should know it. Uh, But out of that, we did get uh, something that's always interesting, especially when it comes to movies, I think. And I don't know if anybody's done this more than this guy. But Little Richard, of course, showing up to tell us that he is the true innovator, the originator, the true king of rock and roll, Little Richard. But he came back in 1991 to claim, once again, that this is his song. But he re-recorded it. And the personnel in this is so interesting that, you know, I have to play it. And plus, it's fucking Little Richard. We're going to rock out here. I don't care what year it is, what kind of production it is. It's fucking Little Richard. He's on the piano. And it's got an interesting uh, little asterisk here on the production. So here you go. Little Richard with the King Ralph version of Good Golly, Miss Molly. I apologize in advance for no John Goodman vocals. Okay, so yes, 
little bit extra stuff to unwrap here. That was Little Richard from the King Ralph soundtrack in 1991. That really fun movie starring John Goodman as the sole heir to the throne. You, you got to see it to believe it. One of the great fish out of water movies of all time, <laughs> I guess. No, I liked it when I saw it. I, I, I probably need to rewatch it and see if it's held up. But uh, I did giggle a lot during the video showing the clips there. And I actually watched the music video of it on YouTube. You should go check that out because there's a killer. Speaking of Dweezil Zappa from Give Peace a Chance, Dweezil has a cameo in the video at the very beginning with John Goodman. So I don't know if he plays guitar on the track. He might, but considering the production, I don't know. So like I this, this goes all the way to me watching the video on YouTube and seeing one of the five comments on this. And the guy said Ringo Starr on drums. And then when I listened to him, I'm like, yeah, of course that's Ringo on the drums. That's undeniable. Plus, that's clearly Jeff Lynne production. I, I cannot find confirmation on this, but there's no way that is not Jeff Lynne producing that track. So how could I not include that? Jeff Lynne producing Little Richard with Ringo on drums doing Good Golly Miss Molly. Excellent, excellent stuff. Okay, sticking with the Beatles theme within this odds and ends, going to go over to Sir Paul McCartney, speaking of royalty. <laughs> and uh, Paul McCartney put out his official Unplugged album. And I believe he did the Unplugged overseas. I don't remember it ever airing on MTV in 1991, although it probably did in America. I just maybe wasn't that interested at the time. And I feel bad for saying that, but that was the case. Like, yeah, I just missed out on it. I need to go look up the Unplugged because I have the CD. It sounds excellent. I've listened to it for years. But uh, yeah, so... Keeping with the Beatles theme, but I'm going to go a little off here from, you know, not a Paul song or a Beatles song. We're going to play a song that had influence on him as a kid. A song that was made famous, not necessarily written for originally by, but a song made famous by Elvis Presley for the most of us. This is Sir Paul McCartney doing his killer unplugged version of Blue Moon of Kentucky. Well, Blue Keep on shining Shine on The one that's gone And left me blue Well, blue moon of Kentucky Keep on shining Shine on The one that's gone And left me blue But it was only
Let's have a little more of that, can we? Steady. <laughs> All right. I like you got the two speeds right there. Blue Moon of Kentucky by Paul McCartney from his Unplugged album. Go check that out. There's a there's a cool version of Junk on there. We can work it out. I just seen a face. I mean, it, it's a really cool record. It doesn't have too many obvious things on there. It's stuff kind of like when Kiss did Unplugged or Aerosmith or something like that. It's like songs that basically read the room, you know. Okay, so continuing on with the Beatles theme. I don't know if I have any more after this, but if this is the last one, we're going to end on a high note right here. In 1991, The Great and the Mighty Cheap Trick released their first official Greatest Hits album. Although, actually, I guess it wasn't official because... They called their 2000 Greatest Hits official Greatest Hits. So this was actually probably a record company obligation now that I'm talking about it out loud. But I'm glad it happened because there is a brand new track on there and it happened to be a Beatles cover. Not the first time they would cover the Beatles and not the last either by a mile. But yeah, we got this pretty cool version right here of the title track from one of my personal favorite Beatles albums right here. Here is Cheap Trick doing a 1991 version of the Magical Mystery Tour.
right, Cheap Trick right there doing the Beatles classic Magical Mystery Tour. The sole new track on their Greatest Hits album from 1991. I had to go look this up again because I'm like, I know they re-released this Greatest Hits album like years ago. I think somewhere around the early 2000s. And I went and looked up the track listing. Now, now the knock that I have, and I'm sure a lot of fans have, on the original Greatest Hits is the sequence of the songs is just so out of whack. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just random songs thrown on a release but uh the re-release that came out in the early aughts has a better track listing as far as it's not 100 percent chronological but it makes more sense uh you know in the track listing it's like not completely in order but it's enough in order to where it doesn't have all these jumps in production and style so there you go if you're going to get it on cd i'd say get the newer version the one that kicks off with clock strikes 10 and ends with magical mystery tour instead of opening with it okay there you go, a little buyer's tip right there from your pal Joey. We're going to finish off this show with a twofer. It's a twofer from the same band. And this first song of two closes off my little Beatles theme here for the night, my theme within a theme. But we're going to close off the show tonight with two songs from Aerosmith. You know these two songs. You've probably heard them a ton of times. But maybe not these particular versions. So the first track I'm going to play here is from Aerosmith's Pandora's Box box set. Now, great box set, and one of the first big box sets for my money, you know, besides the Zeppelin one and a few others. But the box set craze was riding high at this point in the early 90s. So, of course, Aerosmith was going to get one, and it was really cool to hear these songs, you know, basically, like, decently remastered for the first time on CD. I feel like they could use even more remastering at some point here, so that would be nice. Now that they're all, I think, under the same umbrella label-wise, maybe there'll be, like, a killer box set or something like that on vinyl and CD. Anyway... Like, the whole tale. All of it. Even some of the records you don't want. But anyway, it would be great. And I'm sure we'll see that. And I'm sure we'll get more bestos, too. But back to Pandora's Box. It's a really cool timepiece of, you know, basically the first two decades of the band. I think they've been around for 20 years officially as a band at that point. So it was definitely cool to have a box set. Tons of unreleased material for the hardcore fans. And this previously unreleased version that supposedly dates all the way back to the Toys in the Attic sessions. So we're going to kick off the twofer here with their cover of The Beatles, Helter Skelter, and then we'll close off with a little surprise here at the end. All right, strap yourselves in. It's time for the bad boys from Boston. Enjoy. When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide where I stop and I turn and I go for a ride. Tell me, tell me, tell me that you made me love, but you ain't no dancer. Coming down fast, but don't let me break you. 
All right, closing off the show here today, the first part of our big 1991 Super Spectacular with the odds and ends here. That was Aerosmith. We started off with Helter Skelter from Pandora's Box, closing off the Beatles theme. Going into something that definitely happened in 1991 was their remake of Sweet Emotion. Now, a lot of it's just remixed from the original tapes to make it sound more modern, but there's definitely some extra stuff in there. So they... George Lucas did it for a lack of a better term, but I really dig this version and we got a cool video to go along with it. Uh, but the thing that was weird about this was this was not included on Pandora's box. I, I, it took me a few years to get Pandora's box, but I always thought this version would be on there. It was not. Uh, it was basically a promotional thing. I think there were some CD singles out there, at least some import singles, but I wouldn't actually have it physically until I got the box of Firebox set, which uh, it looks really nice on the shelf next to my Cobras and Fire box set. Anyway, um, so, like, yeah, Disc 13 of Pandora's Box basically has their odds and ends from the collection in there. And one of the songs on there is, you know, the 91 version of Sweet Emotion, which wasn't available anywhere else, really, that I could get my hands on conveniently at the time. But I dig that version. Of course, you can't beat the original from Toys in the Attic, but I like that. I like hearing the extra stuff in it because, you know, you hear that on the radio a billion times a day. But if I had a radio station, I'd throw that one in every now and then just to see if people were paying attention. So that's why I do my show. Okay, so we're going to close off here today. Join me for the next two parts of the odds and ends of 1991 as we go through the year with our super spectacular here on Rock Strikes 10. Of course, building up to the top albums of 1991 list. So I'm on the edge of my seat, so I hope you are. Please join me for that. Till then, I'm going to send you over to my better half, Nola, with the plugs and the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, our new kittens Ruby and Ripley get a treat. We're on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock with Joey and the great Mark Streakle of Talking Metal and the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRusa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRusa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.